let's just open up with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you today that with all the distractions and all the chaos that's going on around us, Father, that we can settle down our minds for just a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to touch us, to work in us, to heal us. I thank you, Lord. You're meeting every single person where they're at right now. We give you praise ahead of time for all that you got planned through this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, happy Mother's Day to you today. And uh, we just want to honor you. Now, this word, even though you're not seeing my husband up here, and I was talking about this this morning, I love, my husband is my favorite preacher, and it's hard sometimes to go, you know what, I, I know the people want to hear his voice, and it's hard for me to step in and just say, you know what, I'm going to take the service today, but uh, I, I did it anyways, and I, I do believe that this word is not just for moms this morning. It's for everybody. So if you will just listen in and don't worry that, you know, he's, he'll be back Sunday. He'll be back Thursday for our Bible study. Um, but I just want to honor you moms this morning. And, you know, when we started off in this quarantine, I guarantee you that there were moms. And, you know, you were like, you know, I'm going to just take this time and I'm going to make my own Play-Doh for the children. I'm going to make those, you know, those healthy snacks that look like little animals. You know, you take the celery and the peanut butter and the raisins. And, you know, I'm going to organize all my closets. But now you find after all these weeks, you're drinking in your closet. No, no don't do that. If, if you're at that point, call for help. But we get to that place where all of a sudden we're just going, you know what, there's so much chaos going on. There's just so much things that are just happening in this world. And I want to just tell you moms this morning, don't you worry because you were not called to be perfect. I told this story before. I think I tell every Mother's Day because it's still, it's, 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 it, it just wounds my heart that I did this. And my son's going to be 30 years old, but I still remember my very first Mother's Day. And I had laid him, there, this back then when we had the water beds, you know the kind that if you filled it too high with water, you had the huge bubble in the middle, and you had to kind of lay on it to get the water to go back out through the hose. And I had laid him there, and we had such a small bedroom at the time, I literally could touch the bed and touch the dresser, but I turned, I had him on the bed, and I turned for a second to grab something off the dresser, and I heard boom, and he had fallen off that bed. And, you know, he cried for a moment. I cried for hours. And I remember that, and I remember going to church, and then they said, oh, moms, just stand up where you're at, and I'm like, there's no way I can't do it. I'm the worst mom in the world. Who drops their child, you know, on the floor, especially on Mother's Day? And, but we're not called to be perfect. And it's okay if your closets look worse than when we started this quarantine. It does not matter if you spend your days giving your kids Skittles and putting them in front of a movie. You're okay. They're okay. And you are called, you are anointed to be that mother to those children, and all is well. Can I just say that this morning? So I just want to just thank you for being the moms that you are today. And, you know, just be glad your kids are alive. That's what I say. If you woke up this morning and they're all just still there, uh, praise God. You, you've been doing a good job. You know, we always start off with good intentions, and we plan our lives to be a certain way. And we plan on our days being a certain way. But when, they, when that gets shaken, 
it can just totally knock us off kilter and totally consume our focus. Now, a week ago, um, my husband and I, we moved. And, you know, and I was, I had been planning this for like three months. And I actually had written down, I took a, I took a three-ring binder, and I had written down, this month I'm going to work on this. And then I'm going to, once that's done, I'm going to work on this area of the house. And we were downsizing. We were going to, we're empty nesters, so we thought, you know what, uh, we're going to just, you know, we don't need a big home. So we were going to go to half the square footage of what we were in. And I was like, no problem. Month one, I'm working on the basement. And I'll work all my way up to reach the attic. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to, you know, I got this thing. And then the virus breaks out. Well, I was still like, you know what, that's cool because now I'm at home. I have no excuse not to be home to work on getting ready for the move. But you know, we got so busy trying to do and manage church life, and we were working 24-7 on some things, and I kept going, that's all right, I got time. That's okay, I got time. Well, how many of you know you say that, and before you know it, it's time. And a few days before we were going to move, I got strep throat. How I got strep throat, I don't know. I hadn't gone anywhere, but I got strep throat. And so now I'm miserable, my body is aching, my throat is sore, but I'm like, okay, I, I, I can still manage this. We, we, we're down to days now, I have to do this. And then the day before we moved, I broke out in hives all over my body. So here I am now, I am just, instead of, in my head, in my notebook, I had planned, mark every box. And it's going to be, you know, what, what items are in this box. I had a great plan. And now I just put an H for house. And I'm putting an, an, uh, an S for storage. And I don't have a clue where anything is at. You know, I, had, I was going to do, you know, I had stuff that I needed to donate. All the donation places are closed. So that was all piling up. And here I am on the day of the move, no energy, strep throat. I'm trying to find little places where nobody can see me so I can scratch. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of God say to me, settle down. And I titled this message today, Settle Down. And if you have children, or if you ever were a child, you've either said those words or you've heard those words said to you, settle down. And I'm sure moms, you have probably been shouting that several times a day these last few weeks. But they are the two of the most powerful words that will change the atmosphere of where you're at. It can bring your, 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 your life of chaos and it can bring it to a place of peace if you learn how to settle down. Now, I looked up those words. I'm more of a teacher. My husband is an amazing preacher. I'm a teacher. So I wanted to break this down a little bit more for you. So I looked up settle down. I wanted to see if there was a definition that went along with those words. And, it, and there was. And it says this, to place in a desired state or to place in order. It means to become established in some routine after a period of independence or indecision. And it means to become calm and quiet. I want to break that down for just a little bit. 
Let's talk about to place in a desired state or to place in order. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set, or they place in order, their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When we set in order, when we settle down our minds... We can begin to think about on the things of God. We can begin to think on the spiritual side and not the carnal side. And Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind. Put into order. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. During this time, you've got to learn how to shut some things off in your life. So that you're not focused and you're not just constantly looking at the things of the earth. But you are going to settle down your mind and you're going to place an order so that your mind will think on things above. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he, because he trusts in you, God. If you are not living in peace right now, you've got to check your mind. You've got to begin to tell yourself, mind, you've got to settle down because we're not going to live in chaos anymore. We're going to live in the peace of God. See, there's no gray areas there. The direction of your mind will lead you either to life or to death. It's going to lead you to turmoil or peace, chaos or calmness. You have a choice which direction you want your life to go. See, we can't help the thoughts. We get hundreds and thousands of thoughts that go through our brain every single day. But you have a choice of what gets to take up residency in that mind of yours, in that brain of yours. You get to say what rules your thought life. You know, we have to prioritize our thoughts and we've got to learn how to be quick with deciding what thoughts get to stay and what thoughts get to go. Now, if somebody walked into your home and you didn't know that person, you would not stand there and go, hmm, let me just, oh, let me think. Okay, should they stay? Can they stay? I don't know who they are. What? No, you're going to go, you got to go. And that's how quick we need to be with the things that want to enter into our mind on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. We got to be quick to be able to say, that thought's got to go. And that thought can stay. See, it's your choice of how your day is going to go. Even when you feel like things are out of control. See, the enemy comes to tell you everything is out of your control. He comes to tell you those thoughts that are coming in, those are real. And those have to stay. And everything around you, you have no control and no say-so in it. That is a lie of the enemy. Because you have a choice of what direction you want your life to go. Because of what direction you want your mind to go in. You can choose joy. You can choose peace in your home. You can choose health in your body. You can choose to have that peace in your marriage. So you can't blame your job. You can't blame your family. You can't blame the government. You can't blame this virus. If things in your life seem miserable, it's your choice of what you're going to have in your life. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what are you saying today? What are you allowing to dominate in your mind today? Because you, with the choices that you are making... 
with what you're saying and with what you're thinking, you are going to either create life and calmness and peace in your home, or you're going to create that avenue of chaos. Settle down means to become established in a routine. And it means to become, you know, established after independence and indecision. And we've got to get to that place. You know, we, we love Jesus. I know you love Jesus. But when it comes to decision making, when it comes to somebody saying something to you and your, and your circle of, of, of atmosphere around you, you decide that, you know what, I'm going to do this thing on my own. I'm going to make that decision on my own. You don't consult the most high God on those things. And when you learn to settle down, you're able to say, you know what? I used to be independent and I used to be indecisive, but because I'm going to settle down my mind into the things of God, I am able now to be able to say, God, I trust in you and I can have the promises of God because I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to create a routine that will direct my life to life and to peace and to joy and to godliness. When you're doing it on your own, guys, why would we ever want to do it on our own? Our flesh wants to do it on our own, but why should our flesh get to reign and make the decisions over our life? In this time of quarantine, everything has been shaken. Your routine has been shaken. Some of you, your routine has been, you know, shot out the window. But there's a routine that we cannot let go of, and that is that routine of being in the Word of God. That's that routine of being in that communication with your Heavenly Father. It's the routine of being able to just shut some things down and get in that place of praise and worship. Now, I know you're sitting back saying, well, you know what? I, when do I have time to even do that? You know what? There's this great invention that we have now. It's called the bathroom. Some of my most wonderful moments are in the shower or in the bathroom when you can lock a door for a few moments and you say, God, I might not have been able to just, you know, kneel before you. I can't, you know, spend those times, you know, an hour of just being in your presence. But God, I can shut the door, lock it for a few moments, and I'm going to set my routine to make sure that I'm spending time with you and communicating with you. We've been in a place of independence and and indecision, and that has brought us chaos. It has brought us worry and depression. It has brought us fearfulness. It has brought us angry. But the world around you can be chaotic, but you don't have to live in that place of chaos. You know, I know your spouse is on your last nerve. You know what? I I never realized how loud my husband blinks. It's just... You know, you've been in that house for so long, and you just kind of look and go, if you breathe through your nose just one more time, I swear I will, you know, the pillow's going over your face. I know the feeling of being frustrated in these times. Your kids have destroyed that house of yours, and you can sing the cleanup song all you want, and they won't clean up. I get that there's chaos going around. I get that the unemployment check hasn't arrived yet. I get that the hair salons are not on the essential list yet. And if you are watching this on your TV and it's HD, no, I'm not wearing a fuzzy hat today. My salon is not open yet. Split-ins are real. I get it. 
And we laugh, you know, I'm laughing about certain things like that, but I understand that it is real. Some of you, you are in that place where you have lost your jobs. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know when you get to go back to work. You don't know if, if, the, if that check is ever going to get in the mail. But I'm telling you in the place of chaos, if you will just settle down all the worry and settle down all the anxiety and fear, God can bring into your life the calm and the peace that is essential in life. We have to have that routine that will keep us in that place that we look beyond the natural and we can rely on the spirit. To settle down means to keep calm and quiet. And quiet is something I don't do well. And Job, he didn't either. And in Job 3, 25 and 26, it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. And what Job is saying there, he said, everything that I was afraid of, everything that I was dreading is now upon my life, and I can't shut up. I couldn't shut up thinking about it, and now I can't, can't shut up that it's here. you got to understand that fear and dread has eyes and has a mouth, and it will look for and it will talk about the fear and dread until it is consuming your life. But the opposite works with faith. The opposite works with hope. And in Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Another version of that says it this way, now faith brings our hope into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for. Your eyes, your mouth, your faith, your fear, they have, they, they, they can see and they can speak. And we've got to be so quick to shut down when we're looking and we're talking about our fear, talking about our dread, talking about our worry and our anxieties. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When we settle down, when we can settle down our minds, when we can settle down our mouth to the place where we can flip the script on our thoughts so that our words and our actions are now they can hold captive what the enemy has tried to come to destroy you with. We've got to take hold of those thoughts. We can decide the atmosphere of our homes. Do you realize that this morning? You can decide the atmosphere of what your home is going to be. You can decide the level of peace in your marriage. You can, you can decide to speak health and prosperity over your lives today. No matter what is happening, you can decide because you're going to speak those things. In Mark 4, it's the story, and we all know the story of the winds and the waves. And here the disciples are. They get in the boat with Jesus, and they're going across. And Jesus is asleep in the boat, his head on a pillow. And a windstorm, a horrible windstorm comes. And it begins to fill the boat up with water, and the disciples are freaking out. And it's kind of, we can, we can relate to that now that we've been in this place where we're all of a sudden it's a virus and it's a pandemic and all these things are beginning to happen and we feel like we're beginning to sink. And where's Jesus at in all this? 
Jesus, why are you sleeping? Can you not see and sense that we are going down? And in the verse it says um, that they called out to him, don't you care, God? I don't know about you, but I think I've said that in these last few weeks. God, don't you even care that people are dying? Don't you care that businesses are being shut down? God, don't you care? And we feel and we have this emotional side of us that feels like as if we've been forgotten. But in verse 39, it says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I really believe with all my heart that Jesus is saying to them, guys, why didn't you speak to the wind? Why didn't you speak to the waves? Why didn't you? I, I, I've never left you. My promise is, and God's promise to you, he's never leaving you. He's never going to forsake you. He's never going to abandon you. But he is saying, guys, I'm right here, but I need you. Can you speak to your situation this morning? Can you speak to your body's health? Can you speak to your marriage? Can you speak over your children? Can you speak over your job? Can you speak over your finances today? I'm here, but I want you to be the one to speak. Either, you know, uh, we're so, why are we so afraid to speak the word of God over our current situation? You know, we have no problem speaking the news. You, you, you go by any group of people that are talking, and they're talking about the news. They're talking about, you know, how long we're going to be staying at home, and what about businesses. And you can get on social media, and you can scan through, and you just see, you know, story after story of things that are going on. And, and we all get in that, you know, doom and gloom uh, mentality. And we have no problem speaking those things. We have no problem speaking whatever just happens to pop into our brains. But why is it that God's word is the last thing that we begin to speak over our lives? Because if you're speaking the promises of God, if you can just settle down that brain and begin to just say, God, I don't get it. I feel, like, I feel like I'm in that boat. I feel like, you know, the storm is, 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 is raging around me. I don't see what tomorrow's going to be. But, God, I'm going to settle all that down, and I'm going to begin to speak the promises of God. I'm going to begin to worship you, Lord, because I know that's the thing that is going to change my situation. But instead, a lot of times we, you know, we want to talk and we go, you know what? It's the government's fault. It's the government's fault that I lost my job and I don't have any money. And if I was president, you know, I would be able to do, you know, figure all this financial worry out. Listen, you're having problems with your fifth graders' math homework at home, but yet you think that you could budget and, you know, do money for the, this nation. You know, well, if, if everyone would just wear a mask and stay at home and, you know, we'd all be well. Okay, that's, that's, that's good, but what's going to happen when this is done? What's going to happen when the next virus, you know, breaks out? What's going to happen when flu season comes out? What are we, we going to do then? Are we going to be able to stand and declare, you know, 2 Peter 2.24, that by your stripes we were healed? That it doesn't matter what we're facing today, God's promises are still established in our lives. Can we speak those things over our lives? 
And in that, you know, when, when it talks about, you know, by the stripes, we were healed. That word healed means to make whole. And it means to make whole in every area of your life. God, you're going to heal my marriage. God, you're gonna, you've already healed um, my body. You've already healed my financial situation. God, because that's who you are and that's the promise that I'm going to speak. You know, there's two words that we always usually say after the word settle down. And that is this instant. Settle down this instant. And why do we add those two words on to settle down? And it's because we know if we don't settle down or, if, you know, if we say it to our children, if they don't settle down this instant, it's probably going to get ugly. You know, you can tell in a, in a toddler, you know, their, their, their body position begins to change and, you know, their little lip starts to quiver and, and their little face starts to turn pink. And you know, if you just let that go on, you're going to get a full-blown temper tantrum in just a few moments. When my kids were little, especially in the summertime, it was great. We'd be in a store, and I could, you know, you know, it's, it's about to go down. And I would be, settle down, settle down, settle down this instant. And I would take that little fleshy part of their thigh, get it right between my fingers, and, and then I would lean in with a smile so nobody knew what I was saying. I'd lean in with a smile into their ear, and I'd go, if you don't settle down this instant, I am twisting this skin. And I only had to do it like once and then just barely just try, you know, getting on that little thigh of theirs and coming in. They're like, okay, well, I'm done. I'm done. But you know what? Temper tantrums are not just, you know, for toddlers. Adults are really good at temper tantrums too. And we get really ugly when we don't get our way. And we get really nasty when we feel that we're being done wrong or we should have had that and we're not getting that. And we can get ugly if we don't settle down this instant. But see, we can speak over our situation, guys, that it is well. It is well with my job. It is well with my marriage. It is well with my kids. It is well with my finances. It is well with my health. It is well with my emotions. And in 2 Kings 4, the story of the Shunammite woman. And here she was. She was a wealthy woman. And every time Elijah would come through her town, she would put him up. And she decided one day that she was going to build this man of God his own room. And so she, you know, she spent the time and the finances to build him a room and decorate it so that he would have that. And Elijah says, you know what, I want to bless her back. And how can I bless her? I want to do something very special for her. And his servant said, you know what, she doesn't have any children. And her husband's old. And that's been a desire of her heart. And Elijah says to her, you know what, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And she does. And the child begins to grow. And in that 2 Kings, in verse 30, it says, um, you know, it, it said that the child began, or I'm sorry, in verse 18, that he runs to his father out in the field and he was holding his head and he begins to yell, my head, my head. And so he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him in and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. You know, I, when I've, I've read that so many times, and 
And I think I just would always skim over that. But I love that this mother immediately begins to set the stage for a miracle. She could have put that child anywhere, but she puts it on the bed of the man of God. She's setting the, the plane. She's setting the atmosphere for a miracle to take place. She shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Now here's the, 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 the father of this child. But she says to him, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Car um, Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her far off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And is it well with the child? And she answered to the servant, it is well. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And so she said to him, did I ask a son of, the Lord, a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand and be on your way to go meet this child. And he sends the servant to go pray for the child. But the servant comes back and says, the child is still dead. I, 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 I'm in awe of this woman that all through this time, in her deep distress, she's not in, she's not in denial that something happened. But she has decided that she is going to speak the promises of God, that she is going to make sure that instead of anything else that she could be doing and anything else she could be saying, she's going to say the thing that is going to set the atmosphere for her miracle. And I'm in awe. All I know, my husband asked me, you know, right before we were moving, it was just like a couple days before, and he's like, hey, you know, how's everything going? And the first thing that came out of my mouth was not, it is well. The first thing that came out was, I'm so behind. I feel miserable. And the whole time I'm scratching as I'm saying it. And I look at this woman and I go, God, what an amazing woman. But it wasn't that she was anything else but just a woman. She was a mother. But she understood what it meant to, to be careful of what was going to come out of her mouth. And in the verses that come, Elijah goes and he touches that young boy. He lays on that child and begins to speak life into that child. And at the end of the verses in verse 36, he said, go get that Shunammite woman and have her come in here. And when she came into him, he said to her, pick up your son. So she went, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. You know, we can declare with confidence and faith that whatever situation that we are facing, because of who Jesus is, because we have been adopted into his family, because of his great love for each and every one of us, that we can say in every situation of our life that it is well. You know, some of you, you might not know this name of a man named Horatio Spafford. 
And back in the 1800s, he was a man who was very rich. He was a, a lawyer. He was a real estate investor. But in the fire of 1871, he lost everything. And in that same uh, year, he lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. So thinking that a vacation would be good for his family, he sent his wife and his four daughters on a ship across the Atlantic Ocean to go to England for a vacation. And he was going to join them in just a few days. He needed to finish up some business things. And while his family was on this ship, it had hit and collided with another ship, and it sank. And more than 200 people died in that shipwreck, including his four daughters. His wife, Anna, had survived, and she sends her husband a telegraph that begins like this, saved alone, what shall I do? Immediately, Horatio gets on a ship, and He's going to go to England to be with his wife. And the captain of the ship that he was on knew the tragic story of what had happened to his daughters. And when they got over that place in the Atlantic Ocean, he called Horatio over to let him know that this was the spot where his daughters had died. And Horatio took those moments to settle down his mind, to settle down his heart, and he allowed the Lord to just minister to him, to minister healing into his heart, into his mind. And during those moments of being on that ship and allowing the, the, the Lord to just comfort him, he wrote this, the words to this, a, a hymn that is probably one of the greatest hymns that were ever written. And he begins to write the words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. It is such an anointed song that came out of such horrific tragedy Amen. that we can begin to sing that song. And listen, for all you young people, we don't sing that song enough anymore. We don't sing it in the church. And that's okay. I love the songs that we sing now. But can you Google it? Can you take a moment and listen to the words of the song now that you know the story of the horrificness of chaos that can go on, but the comfort of the Holy Spirit could come in and say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Are you willing to let go of some things? Are you willing to let go of some hurts? Are you willing to let go of your mindsets? Are you willing to let go? You know, I said this a few moments ago, you know, we want to blame the government for everything, but are you willing to let go of that, that governmental system that you feel has all this control and you feel that it is running everything and it's doing it all wrong and all this? Can you let it go for a moment? Are you willing to let go of unforgiveness? Are you willing to let go of your anxiety? That's the thing. We keep saying it's my anxiety, my fear, my worry. Can we let go of those things? Can we let go of fear? A teacher stood up in her classroom, and she held up a glass of water. And everybody thought, she, oh, she's going to ask a question, is it half full or is it half empty? But instead of asking that question, she says to the class, how heavy do you think that this glass is? And so the students began to say, well, maybe eight ounces, you know, it ranged up to, you know, 20 ounces. 
And she said to them, the absolute weight doesn't matter. What matters is how long I, how long I hold the glass. See, if I hold this glass of water for, you know, a minute or two, it, it doesn't feel heavy at all. Nothing's, you know, nothing's wrong. If I hold this glass like this for an hour, my arm's going to start to ache. If I hold this glass for 24 hours, my arm is going to feel numb. It's going to feel paralyzed. And in all those situations, the weight of the water has never changed. It just depends on how long you hold it. And the same thing happens with stress. The same thing is happening with the mindsets that we want to get in. The same thing happens to the, the worry and the fear that we uh, allow ourselves to hang on to. It's the mindsets. If we think of something for just a moment, it's okay. You know, it happens. But if you think on that thing from about an hour, it starts to get a little overwhelming. And if you think on that thing all day long, all week long, all month long, it will begin to paralyze your thought life. It will begin to paralyze your life. It will begin to paralyze your situation and the things around you. You got to remember to let the glass go. You got to remember to let that fear go, to let the worry go. You got to settle down and remember you got to remember that God has overcome the world. God is not shocked by what's going on right now because God has already overcome the world. John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. you got to settle down and remember that God will fight for you. In Exodus 14, 14, it literally says, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. You got to settle down and remember that you don't have to live in worry. You don't have to live feeling powerless because if you will operate in the power of prayer and then the power of your confession over every situation of your life, you'll have that peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 9, we know those verses well, but I want to read it to you out of the message version. And it says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Verse 8 says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Are you letting God during this time work on you? Are you allowing him to work on your character? Are you allowing him to work on your trust and your forgiveness? You know, 
we can take the time and chaos to quiet ourselves and to press into God. You know, things are going to change again soon. We're going to go back to doing some things that we did before, and some things we'll never go back to, and that's okay too. You know, but can we still take the rest of this time that we have and say, God, work on me. Work on my character. Help me in my mind to be able to take those thoughts captive immediately. God, help me in this time to just draw closer to you. I know that chaos is going to happen. I know the storms are coming. But God, you are the peacemaker. And I know, God, you've given me authority over my life and over my situation that I can speak the promises of God and I can live in that peace and that joy. Amen we got to learn how to magnify God. And Psalms 35, 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, not just once in a while, not just when you're watching, you know, a church online, but continually say, Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. Put a recorder on sometime. You know, when Pastor and I, I remember one time, um, it was, we had been arguing and just over, you know, married life kind of a thing. And um, next thing I know, he came in and I'm, I'm mad at him. You know, I wasn't done with the arguing. And he comes in and he's just like, you know, hon, you know, he's trying to speak all sweet and everything, right? And I was still mad. I'm like, you know what, whatever, you know, and you know how we could get, you know. And he just kept going on, just kind of nice, saying nice things, and it just aggravated me even more. And about, you know, maybe three or four minutes into this conversation, all of a sudden he pulls out one of those little, this back in the 80s, pulls out this little recorder, and he hits stop. And then he rewinds it and he plays it. Now, the whole time he knew he was being listened to and recorded. I didn't know. And I was listening. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I sound horrible. But you know what? If we listen to ourselves, if we just, you know, thought, hey, no, one can, no one's listening. I'm just going to say whatever I want to say. You'd be shocked at how terrible that we can speak. But we got to learn and remember it is being recorded. Our words are being recorded. They are being listened to. They're being listened to by your children and by your neighbors and your coworkers. They're being listened to. What can we say today that is going to magnify our God in this situation and bring praise? That word prosperity and that scripture verse, it means not just prosperity in money. It does include that. But it means this, it means soundness. So it's saying God, God takes pleasure in your soundness and in your peace, in your welfare, that it is well atmosphere. It, it means happy, safety, rest, health, prosperity, wholeness, tranquility, contentment, and completeness. That's what God has for our lives today. If we will just learn how to settle down, last week, Pastor preached an amazing message, and you got to go back and listen to it, called Get a Grip. And I, we didn't, I didn't even talk about what we were going to, you know, each other, the thing that we were going to be speaking on. But it, it's in the same line, and I think God is just trying to get us to get a grip and settle down, because all is going to be okay. 
as you begin to speak the word of God and the promises of God. Now, before we go, I want to pray for you moms. I want to pray for some of you, for those of you, and I do this whenever I can have a chance to pray for you women that you want to have children, and you're having a difficult time, and your heart has been like the Shunammite woman, I, I want this child. Maybe it's infertility, maybe it's just, you know, just some things that are just, you know, wonky in the body, and, you know, and you just don't know what's happening. Can I tell you that God is a miracle-working God? You know, I was engaged to my husband, and it was right before the wedding, and I had gone to a doctor, and I had found out that I had a problem. Now, at the time, I didn't think it was going to be too much of a problem when I was first told about it. They said, you know, this is very rare, but you have two uteruses. And I thought two uteruses favor. <laughs> you know, I got abundance. I was thinking, you know what, maybe I need to be a surrogate mom. I'd be popping these babies, two uteruses. <laughs> that wasn't the case. And they said, normally in those situations, you'll never get pregnant. And if by some weird chance that you do, you'll never carry that baby to full term. It's never going to happen. Those uteruses don't work when it's like that. And I remember just going, all right, God, we need a miracle here. And when it came time that we, started, we, we decided we are going to start our family, every month it was such a disappointment to be excited all month thinking, God, this is it. God, if it, if it be your will, Lord. And then that month, nothing. And the following month. And this went on and on and on. And I remember the Lord speaking to me. And he said it in the most kindest of ways. But he said to me, stop blaming me. And I was like, well, who do I blame? My husband and I, we're doing the work. We're putting in the hours. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? Stop blaming you. And I realized at that moment that my prayer had become, over time, that rhetoric, you know, Christianese kind of a thing. God, if it be your will, to, you know, we're going to get pregnant this month. God, it's your will. And I knew what God was saying. He says, if you want this, I need you to begin to declare it. I need you to begin to get a revelation that I am a promise-keeping God, that I have healed your body already, that no matter what the report of a doctor is saying to you, I can believe the report of the Lord. I need you to grasp this thing. See, some of you that you're going through some things today, it is big. And the report that you have gotten is astronomical. And you don't know where to begin. And God is just saying, I need you to understand that my promises are across the board for every single person. But I need you to get serious about it. Don't just walk around and do those little high five prayers. God, I thank you for today. Bless my home. Bless my children. In Jesus' name, amen. But can we get serious? If you need a serious miracle, you got to get serious prayer and you got to get serious with what you're allowing in your mind and what you're allowing to come out of your mouth so if you are watching today and you're saying pastor Raman, i do want a child and i have gotten the bad reports 
I have gone through the miscarriages. I've, I've gone through the infertil- and, 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 uh, infertility test and, and all those things. And I want a child. Can I pray with you right now? Can you, if you're watching this morning, can you just lay hands on yourself? If you were here, I would just touch and agree with you in prayer. But that's all right. God is meeting you right where you're at right now. In your car, on your couch, lying in bed, wherever it is. Just lay hands on yourself. And Lord, this morning, God, you are no respecter of person. God, I am not somebody that you just blessed and that was it and now you're done. God, if you blessed me, you're going to bless them. And Lord, I declare over their bodies right now in the name of Jesus that you will function properly that you are going to be able to not only get pregnant, but hold that baby to full term. That child is going to grow and it's going to prosper. It's going to be in health. It, it, no matter, it will defy all doctor's reports. But we declare now that, Father God, that you will multiply in their body today. God, your word says that you would give us the desires of our heart. And I declare now, God, that you are going to give them that desire of their heart today. Open their room, Father God, and make room for that child. And at the appointed time, God, they will declare the goodness of God. And in the meantime, they're going to shout for joy because they have a God that knows their situation and has already made a way for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I forgot to tell the rest of the story. So, I ended up getting pregnant. I had a son. He's 30 this year. He was born in my left uterus. And two years later, three years later, I had a daughter. She's just turned 27 this past week. She was born in my right uterus. So what doctors say could not happen, the Lord said, not only are are you going to get pregnant, you're going to show them that both of them have been healed and whole, and they work with us in ministry, and, and I'm so grateful. Moms, you're amazing. Hold on. They will go back to school again. That husband will go back to work, or you'll go back to where all is well. You got this thing, and we just love you this morning.